So today we are going to continue to look at Isaiah chapter 6, reading verses 8 through 13. Yes, through the close of this chapter. And we'll also go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4 and read some words recorded from Jesus in Mark 4, 30 through 32. Hear now God's word. Isaiah speaking, And I heard the voice of Adonai of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Behold me, here I am, send me. And he, the Lord, said, Go. And say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull, fat, and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Verse 11, then I, Isaiah, then I said, how long, O Lord, Adonai? And he said, until cities lie waste without inhabitants, and houses without people, and the land is a desolate waste. And Yahweh and the Lord removes people far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again like a terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled the holy seed, the seed of holiness, is its stump. And then to Mark's gospel, chapter 4. Jesus continues to speak in parables, which he's related directly to Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. And he tells the parable of the mustard seed. Just read verses 30 through 32. And he said, Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it, for the kingdom? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nest in its shade. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. How long? How long, O Lord? We are justified by faith. 
we are justified by faith. We celebrate that good news. That's laid out also in the essentials of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Uh, we celebrate that good news from the New Testament, uh, the New Covenant, and we celebrate that good news that Martin Luther made so clear 500 years ago uh, with the outbursts and the renewal brought about by the Protestant Reformation. We are justified by faith. That means that, specifically, we don't justify ourselves by faith, right? God justifies us by faith in, specifically, in Jesus Christ. Now, this is not just a mantra that we should be saying for an hour or so on Sunday morning and then go about and live the rest of our lives and our weeks like we're not justified by faith. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is not just something that we say or a mantra that we touch or something we put up on a bulletin or on a screen to make ourselves feel good for an hour. The issue is we're either justified by faith or we are not. Are you justified by faith? not just on Sunday morning and maybe not just with me for an hour on Wednesday night and maybe not just five or 10 or 15 minutes here or there when you do a devotion and remember God, but I mean on Monday morning, on Friday night, on Saturday night, and increasingly for people who call themselves Christians but don't seem to have time for the Lord on the Lord's day, even on Sunday morning, are you justified by faith or by something else, by virtue signaling to this communion, this larger culture in which we live. We either live our lives and you guide your households justified by faith or not. What makes you who you are? <laughs> how, how do you present yourself to the world and to God? Justified, justification. All this talk, of course, begs the question, who judges if we're going to talk about being justified by faith, it begs the question about a judge. Is the judge Facebook? Is the judge the technological billionaires of our age who seem to control most of what happens out there in our thought patterns? Are, are those the judges? Who judges you? Your grandmom? Your girlfriend? Or could it possibly be God? Who's, who's your judge? Today, our message, as we continue with Isaiah chapter 6, is a call to trust God's judgment. And trust God's judgment long, long term. Uh, some of you might say, well, pastor, that's great, but... You know, you're really emphasizing the Old Testament a lot now, now that we're in Isaiah. But just give me the good old New Testament where there's no judging going on at all. God is just happy with us. He's the grand Santa Claus who loves us, whether we've been naughty or nice. Come on, Pastor. Let me remind you that if we, and when we do turn to the New Testament, speak, speaking of judgment, talking of judgment, is a lot more heavy with Jesus than it is almost anywhere in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we read, for instance, why did Jesus come? We turn to this passage last week as Jesus is basically echoing Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. 
John 9, 39. Why did Jesus come? Jesus says, for judgment, I came into the world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. I'm going to turn everything on its head. I'm the judge who turns everything on its head. The high and mighty and the self-righteous are going down under my judgment, Jesus says. And that's why I've come into the world. But in my judgment, those who are humble before me, those who know they need a Savior, will be saved and lifted up. John 9, 39. That's why Jesus came. Well, you could say, yes, I know, Pastor, but those are the Gospels, and I don't like to pay much attention to Jesus and all his specific talk. I just like a general kind of nice Jesus. But give me Paul, because Paul's really into you just said it earlier, Pastor, justification by faith. That's all that matters. As long as I sign the dotted line or back when I was 6 or 16, raised my hand at a VBS or a, or a rally, that's all I ever needed to do. You know, and I've got my insurance policy. Let's turn over to Paul. Certainly he justifies my idea that I don't really need much justification. I don't really need a judge. Okay, let's turn over to Paul. First Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, I believe this is the key passage for our devotion tomorrow in table talk, okay? If you're tracking along on your, you know, phone and you're pulling up our daily devotions, right, or if you have the book, um, but just pull it up on our website, right? Tomorrow, I think the, the devotion is on 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. Paul says, Paul says, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you, in other words, by the church at Corinth, or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. That's the Apostle Paul. And of course, if you know Paul's letters, I mean, I could turn to 18 other examples, but let me just give you 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all, Paul says, he's speaking to Christians now, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. You will stand before the judge, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. You personally will. We all will. We are called to acknowledge God as judge, and the good news is we can trust him long-term. But it's going to be a long, long-term view that we got to take that God is calling us to. Trust God's judgment long, long-term. How long, O oh Lord? Last Sunday, we focused on the hard, hard saying of Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 10. The verses from Isaiah that are most frequently quoted in the New Testament, hands down from Isaiah, no, no, no contest here, 6, 9, and 10. Not for unto us a child is born, not comfort, comfort me, ye my people, says your God. No, 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 these verses, these verses. And he said, go and say to this people, keep on hearing but not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy, and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This is the prophetic commission, the clarified, advanced prophetic commission for the prophet Isaiah as he gets involved in his serious ministry. And as we 
learned last Sunday, this sobering commission applies not just to Isaiah, but to generations after him. And as we learned last week, runs all the way through the New Testament, through the ministry of Jesus, through the ministry of the Apostle Paul and others. This most quoted passage from Isaiah in all the New Testament, most by far most echoed passage from Isaiah in all the New Testament. It's a theologically hard message. Last Sunday, I turned you to, I'm going to go ahead and repeat this just because I, I, I was so helped by this insight from the early 19th century uh, New Testament theologian at Princeton Seminary named J.A. Alexander. I quoted him last week. Let me give it to you again. There's three agencies involved here. This is not just an arbitrary dictate from God, this commission. J.A. Alexander, very insightful. In the early 1800s at Princeton Seminary, um, Reformed New Testament theologian said, in this fearful process, there are three distinguishable agencies. The ministerial agency of the prophet, the judicial agency of God, God as judge, and the suicidal agency of the people themselves who refuse to listen to God and let the preaching of the word of God go in one ear and out the other. What was the sermon today? I don't remember. What was the sermon last Sunday and how are you living it out? What'd you learn from God's word today in your devotion? I don't know. I just, you know, it's just kind of some quiet time. Just going on and on, doing the outward motions, but not alive in the word of God, the suicidal agency of the people themselves. But as we heard from God's word, rejected, God's word rejected, God himself rejected, fine, good news. God turns his people's rejection into good news for more people. God's people close the door, close their hearts, fine. God will go through 18 or 1,800 other doors. God turns it all around. God's providence and also his mission and the story of the Bible all relate to this key passage and this truth for you and me when we're called to trust God in the long, long term. Warnings of judgment? Oh, yeah, this is a, this is a judgment statement by God, the prophetic call or commission of Isaiah but we can trust God's judgment to bring about the good news. As we said, Jesus clearly relates this to all his ministry, to his teaching and parables, to his message to the larger crowds and to the Jewish leaders who are rejecting him. As we saw, the Apostle Paul understands that the rejection by the Jewish leaders, not only in Jerusalem, but even the synagogue leaders of Rome, as we tracked it all the way through, all the way to the end of the Acts of the Apostles in Acts chapter 28, Paul says, fine. This means the gospel goes to the Gentiles and they will listen. But then we saw further as the Apostle, as the Apostle Paul grapples with this issue, what about God and God's covenant with his chosen people, Israel? Well, we saw you know, Romans 9 through 11, closing with Romans 11, God is going to use this to bring the true Israel, the elect of the Jews, to himself. It's all part of the plan. We're called to trust the Lord in the long game. As you've heard me say a lot of times, quoting that old statement, 
God is never early, but he's never late. He's always exactly on time. But I want it this minute. Well, it's not time. But when it is time, the Lord will bring it. Do you believe? Believe, and you're justified by God's grace through faith. Justification by faith is not just some fancy word we throw around in the church. It's an issue of a life and a way to see things and a way to live. The doctor just gave a really horrible prognosis. Are you going to trust God for the long, long term? Are you freaking out because your real trust is in your own body and in the stuff from this world that will not last? I mean, are you justified by faith in him or by stuff and people down here? Trust the Lord for the long game. How long, O oh Lord, Isaiah asked. And in response, he gets a lot more clarification than he even wanted, right? Isaiah surely, probably, is just asking, how long do I have to preach that kind of message? You know, <laughs> 6, 9, and 10, that's pretty tough, Lord. Um, but, but I'm here to obey you. I mean, you've just atoned for my sin. I've been in your holy presence. I'm willing to do this for several years, Lord. About how long do you need me to do this? A year? Ten years? And then there's going to be a great revival? Oh, no, says the Lord all the way through the total devastation of my promised land for your people and beyond that. Whoa. Like, we like to volunteer for God when we have a time of spiritual renewal, right, and say, I'll, I'll do this a long time, Lord. How, how long you need? A month? <laughs> a month I'm going to pray extra. A month I'm going to witness to other people. A year? Okay, I'll do a year. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a couple of years of overseas mission for you, Lord, if that's what you want. Oh, no. All the way through your lifetime, your grandchildren's lifetime, your great-grandchildren's lifetime, and beyond. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you how long. But it's going to be bad. And it's going to be past what you can even begin to see. <laughs> that's, that's the answer to Isaiah. So it doesn't get easier after verses 9 and 10. It gets even more challenging. How long, O oh Lord? The answer is an answer of total judgment. And you have to understand this. We're going to circle back around this as we deal with Isaiah. We are talking about, the Lord, I should clarify, is talking about a total reversal of the exodus over to the exile. Exodus delivered the people from slavery and bondage and ultimately get them into the promised land, and now they have the promised land. Now we're going to go the total opposite direction. Devastate the promised land. Extract God's people. Take them into exile, and they may never be heard from again for all we know. God knows, though, a different story. This is real judgment. This is total judgment on its face. And Isaiah is called to trust God's judgment long, long term. Do you trust God's judgment? No matter what happens. 
Now, of course, judgment, this is, I'm using this for the sermon title today and for the point of reference as a double entendre or really multiple entendre. You know, God's judgment, his decisive decisions, and his general plan and the way God sees things and the way God decides generally. Trust God's judgment and God's judgment long-term. Jesus says this is what the kingdom of God is like. You got to put your faith in and be hopeful about a mustard seed. That may be all you get in your lifetime. That may be all the children that you love so much are going to get a mustard seed. And Jesus says the kingdom of God and faith are like seeing beyond the mustard seed all the way to the, the branches being spread and the garden being restored and the tree of life, giving you and them eternal life forever. But all you have right now is a seed. Twelve ragtag guys and a few other women and men, and I'm going to be crucified, dead and buried. You believe you trust in God's judgment long-term or not? God's word through Isaiah calls us to trust God's judgment and hope. Hope. Okay, I'll hope, but could I get it by tomorrow? No. No, God says. Isaiah. Chapter 40. I'll just pick up at verse 28, but our key is 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. Is he still there? I don't know. I'm, and we haven't, you know, we haven't returned to the promised land yet. He does not grow faint or weary. His understanding, his judgment is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall Exhausted, verse 31. But they who wait, they who wait, they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wait in hope. Trust God's judgment long, long term. Judgment and destruction, Isaiah is telling us, God is telling us through Isaiah, 
will not be God's last word. Judgment and destruction are all in Isaiah, and definitely in Isaiah chapters 1 through 39. But judgment and destruction will not be, in the end, God's last word. Cleansing, healing, redemption, salvation, sanctification, setting apart as holy unto the Lord, these will be God's last words for those who are justified by faith, for God's own, his true elect, those who are truly saved for the grace and the glory of God himself. Judgment, it turns out, judgment is the way through which God brings us to salvation. Fallen people, fallen in sin. God brings us through judgment to salvation and eternal communion with him. The way to eternal life is through death. Anyone who would come after me, Jesus says, must deny himself, die to himself, take up his cross and follow me. This is the message of the Bible. This is God's gospel for us. Do you believe? Are you justified by faith, by the grace of God? So judgment is the way through which ultimately by his true servant, by his own son, God will cleanse and heal and redeem and restore not only the promised land, but also the garden itself and the tree of life and access to the tree of life for God's own people. This is the gospel of the Lord Almighty for his people. God brings us through judgment to salvation, sanctification, and the glorification that we know reflecting the glory of God himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Again, a few points of reference from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 10. I mean, way over in the first part of the first segment, right? Verse 20, Isaiah 10, 20. In that day, the remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them <laughs> it's not, it's not going to be the Assyrians. It's not going to be the Babylonians, folks. But we'll lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Yes, that's one of the 13 in the first half of Isaiah. Yeah, there it is. The Holy One of Israel in truth. How's that going to happen? Well, you heard it right there at the end of Isaiah chapter 6, right? The holy seed is in the stump. The cut down, burned down tree, there's life. There's life. How's that holy seed going to come from the stump? We'll just turn the page from Isaiah 10 to Isaiah 11. 11 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Wait a minute. Jesse, Jesse, he's the father of somebody, right? Hmm? David. 
Oh, the line of David. Remember that line of David? Oh, yeah. And somebody's going to come in the line of David and be born in David's hometown of Bethlehem. Oh, yeah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit in a burned-out, devastated land. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's amazing. Out of death, God brings life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. And though a tenth remain in it, wait a minute, the tenth, maybe that's going to be the answer? The faithful ones? No, no, no. It will be burned again, like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled. The holy seed is its stump. How does this work? Well, the Old Testament knows this. The Old Testament people know this. You know, um, Job knew this, right? People, people, regular people like you and me, we're not going to be the answer, folks. Even our children and our grandchildren. No, we don't live through them. That's not where our life is. It's going to come some other kind of way through this tree thing. Job 14. Man who is born of a woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? God is asking this. <laughs> Who can bring a clean thing out of unclean? There's not one. No human being can do this. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass, look away from him and leave him alone that he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. That's all we are. That's, we're just passing through life like a hired hand. But, verse 7, for there is hope for a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. There's your hope. There's your faith in him and the true Israel that he will raise up. That's the message. Do you believe? No matter what's happening to your nation, no matter what's happening to your budget, no matter what's happening to your wayward child or grandchild, do you believe? Trust God's judgment long, long term. And as we move today as a congregation to our annual meetings, I invite you to the justification that comes by faith and to that saving gospel truth. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit now and forever, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come before you this day, we, Lord, ask that you would continue to open our hearts to your gospel and to your word that you bring to us. And I pray, Lord, that, Lord, anyone here, whether they're a member of this church or, 
are gathered here as a visitor or perhaps watching or listening online or on televised broadcast, Lord, you would speak to their hearts right now if they don't truly know you and truly live trusting you and your judgment. Lord, call them by your Holy Spirit to let go of themselves, to come to the end of themselves and bring them unto yourself that they might trust and believe and be justified in Christ by faith in him. In his name we pray, amen.